0: We, um, sometimes we feel it, sometimes we don't. And Jesus never meant us to try to just get it through life all by ourselves. So, I'm going to ask you to pray with me the prayer that is our scripture passage today. And um, you can stand where you are. You can. It's going to be hard for a lot of you to do this but um, I'm going to actually get down on my knees because that's the way that Paul prayed this prayer. But will you join me in prayer? Our Father in heaven, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name, I pray that out of your glorious riches you may strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Jesus Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that we would be rooted and established in his love, strengthened with your power together with all of your people around the world. Lord, we need your help To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love not as an idea. But as the reality in which we live. Your love that surpasses knowledge. That we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of you God. We ask this prayer in confidence of who you are. And so hear this blessing back now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. So we're on the far side of Jesus' resurrection. We celebrated Easter. And we're talking about this life that we have. And we're talking about it through the lens of grace. God is gracious. He wants to bless us. He wants to fill us. This prayer, Paul prayed it. But it is also the inspired words of God. This is a prayer that God gave us that we might understand how to live. That we might understand his will for us, his purpose for us. This prayer is helping us to understand what it means to live into a grace-saturated life. Today we're going to talk about redemption again. And we're going to talk about being filled and we're going to be talking about being refilled in the power of the Holy Spirit But I want to begin with a critical observation about grace The grace of God Is opposed to an attitude of earning or deserving By its very definition Grace is God's free act It is his undeserved love, unmerited favor. If we think that we accomplish something where God is now beholden to us. You owe me this. We are sadly mistaken. And in fact, with that sort of attitude, we are fundamentally opposed to the gospel of grace. I start here because... There is creeping into our culture and society an attitude of deserving, an attitude of entitlement. This is what I've earned. I was I was reading a book uh, over my vacation. I read a bunch of you know like fun books, novels, and things like that, and then and then I got bored, and so I was like, oh, okay. And so I came across this one book, and it. it and, and I apologize about the title, he's, he's trying to be a little bit prophetic and I think he has some important things to say, but the title is The Dumbest Generation Has Grown Up and I will not tell you who he thinks the dumbest generation is, but but he, he he's making some observations in this book about just some of the things that are happening in our culture and and he was sharing a story and I, and I went, oh yeah I know what he's talking about and and he says, one of the things that happens in our society today is that people have this attitude that everybody deserves to be happy. And, and the problem there is the deserving. And, and, and probably what it's related to, and you know, as, as we think about like even Memorial Day and, 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 and our country, you know you go back to the Declaration of Independence. And, you know, Thomas Jefferson identified three unalienable rights. Life, liberty, not happiness, but the pursuit of happiness. But our society is all caught up in our rights. We become highly individual, and we are used to demanding what's coming to us. But what we forget is, is that the Declaration of Independence was describing the nature of government, not the nature of life. And the reality is, is that God's given us some things. He's given us life and he's given us a level of freedom because we make choices and our choices have eternal impact. And God really does desire us to be blessed and to experience happiness. But The world's broken. I'm broken. You're broken. So here's this question. What do we deserve? Now, there's different sorts of relationships. I think I'm in agreement with Thomas Jefferson that governments are really instituted by God for the welfare of humanity. So there's certain things that governments should be about. And when the governments aren't about those things, then, well, there's a right to try to reform government so that it does what God intended to give us. I also sit there and I go... I have certain relationships and in those certain relationships you know there might be some things that somebody is beholden to me of we make commitments and it's a give and take but what do I deserve from life and more particularly what do I deserve from God because often when we say life what we're really talking about is what we think God should give us this is offensive to our culture I'm pretty sure before God all we have earned is judgment. Before God, all we deserve is destruction. Um, We were in Romans. There's good news, but there's some bad news. But the bad news is always sandwiched between the good news. There's good news, and then there's some bad news, and there's good news. God loves us. He wants to bless us. He has a great thing. He's given us life. He's given us freedom. He wants us to be happy, and we messed it up. And I messed it up. And before God, I don't deserve anything but. In Romans, anything but destruction. But Romans, you know, it says this, Romans 11, 35. Who has given to God because, well, God was in some way lacking, so as if God has to pay them back? And the answer is no one. God owes us nothing. Now, I'm starting with a little bit of bad news, but there's good news. Now, our scripture pastor's day is this prayer in Ephesians, and it, nowhere is the word grace there, nowhere is the word redemption there. But this prayer is culminating the first three chapters of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And Paul's letter to the Ephesians is just, and these first three chapters, I mean, it is all about grace. It is all about redemption. It is all about life. It is just this overwhelming. And, And here's the reality of it all. Paul is sitting there. And so, yes, yes, yes. Life is hard, life is broken, life is unfair, happiness is not guaranteed, things that are going to happen, and sometimes they're just going to absolutely suck, and you're going to want to shake your hands at the heavens and say, what is going on? But, and do you hear that? But, But I have something to tell you, and this is the tenor of what Paul is writing, and there's an interesting thing here if you don't know the background. So Paul spent... Over two years in the city of Ephesus Which was one of the largest cities in the roman empire And he helped form the church there And 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 they know him And now it's later and he's in prison And it's a roman prison And it's not nearly as warm and friendly and nice as our modern prisons And i'm not saying that our modern prisons are all friendly and nice i'm just saying it was worse And um some of them, you know, they're, they're concerned for Paul. But there's a little bit where there's probably concern for themselves. I thought Jesus is the one true Lord. I thought he's all-powerful. How is this that you're in prison and these things are happening? I mean, this does not sound like, you know, like everything's going to just... It, it sounds hard and difficult. And Paul is responding back. And and the flavor of this is that he never... In, I mean it just kind of gets slipped in right at the last moment before the prayer that that they might be concerned about his suffering situation because he's not concerned about his suffering situation. These opening three chapters are Paul's testimony to us. Yes, life is hard, but let me really tell you what's going on. And what's really going on here is it is about grace and it is about redemption and it is about what God has done. I, you know, I, I, just, I, just re, I just read through this, and I just started highlighting all these words in these opening three chapters. Now, redemption occurs three times in, the, in, the, opening, in, in the, the opening four chapters. And just so you know, this idea of redemption, if you don't have a picture for it, it's a picture word. You are standing on the blocks in the slave market getting sold into slavery. The life before you is no life at all. It is a life that is going to be confinement and restriction and pain and difficulty and challenge. And while some people may have had it okay as slaves, really it would be better not to be a slave. And then Jesus comes and he gives his life. So that he can set you free And you are no longer a slave That's what redemption means I was bought for a price I was headed towards destruction This is what my lot was This is what I was going to get And then Jesus has set me free Now Paul working out of that reality Says okay I know life is tough right now And I know there's some bad things And just so you know I'm in prison But let me tell you what's really going on And then This is what we get these three chapters the word grace appears nine times the words glory and glorious appears nine times Glorious and grace are brought together so that whenever you hear glory you think of grace And now whenever you think of grace you think of glory And then the holy spirit gets mentioned seven times and then praise gets mentioned four times It is the highest concentration of the teaching of redemption that we have in the new testament love peace riches All of this, and it's all grace, and Paul just goes over three chapters, and he's just telling them, okay, this is it. God is glorious, and it's full of praise, and everything's good. You get that? I mean, see, this would be the part of, I just, there's this feeling that Paul has about this life, and yes, it's difficult, but now with Jesus Christ, everything has been changed. And that leads to his prayer. Now, what comes immediately before the prayer is, and it's it kind of this funny thing because he, he prays, he, he, he always prays, and he prays at the beginning of his letters, and he gives a prayer report. This is what I'm praying for you. And everything that we find in chapter three, in some way, we could go back in chapter one and we could find the same sorts of things that Paul's praying for. And then you get to the beginning of chapter three. And he starts to get into a prayer, but then he mentions the fact that he's in a Roman prison. And he hadn't mentioned it yet because he really wasn't thinking about it too much. And I want you to think, have that sink in for you. He's writing a letter in chains in a Roman prison, and he's not thinking about the condition of being in prison too much. And then he mentions it, and then he's like, oh, I better backtrack so you get this right. And so then he kind of you know, digresses for about 12 verses, and then he comes back in the end. But I know you guys are concerned for me, but I don't want you to be concerned about this at all. And then he prays, and then he gets back into it. And his prayer is not for himself, which just so you know, I mean, if it were me, I mean, I might be a little feeling bad for myself that I'm in a in prison. I'd be like, you know, well, you could pray for me because it's really hard. And I've, you know, but, but no, that's not where his focus is. His focus is on them. In fact, what Paul's pretty convinced of is, is that I, I know I'm going through a little bit of suffering, but I really think that my suffering is for your good because the gospel's come to you, Gentiles. So this is all worth it. So don't worry about me. Instead, let me pray for you. Do not lose heart. Life is hard. The world is broken. I'm sure that you're going through some things that cause you to doubt, that cause you to struggle, that feel overwhelming. But let me give you some encouragement, but most of all, let me pray for you. Because it's really not about me it's not even so much about you. But it is about God and his spirit who is alive and at work and is in you and is in me. And he has the power to get you through this. So, Paul prays this prayer that they might be filled up. And this is not a prayer to pray once. This is a, pray, a prayer to pray every day. You know, the first part was all about the redemption. This is glorious. This is wonderful. This is worthy of praise. This is riches, and this is peace, and this is wisdom, and this is love, and this is life. That's what we have now because of Jesus. And here's how you have it. It's all of grace. It's all of grace. And the way that that grace is received and the way that that grace is just taken into you... It isn't even about again what you're so much doing. It's about the work of the Holy Spirit in you. So let me pray for the Holy Spirit's work in you. Now, we get this prayer. And and just so you know, this prayer is the, the prayer part is one sentence. And then the doxology is just one sentence. And again, you know, I, I, one of the things that I hope that you get out of this is, is, is just the feeling of what Paul has inside of him. The joy, the peace, the hope, the love, the passion, the commitment. Everything's going to be okay. It's all right. I know things are tough. I know the world is broken, but just it, Jesus is there. It's, it's awesome. So let me pray for you. So this grace that God has, this unmerited favor, this free gift, this overwhelming generous love, it is opposed to an attitude of earning and deserving. But it is, op- it is completely congruent with your effort to pursue it and to want it and to, and to work it, 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 with all the passion energy that you have to align your life to the reality of grace. Um, th- this statement comes from Dallas Willard. It's an observation. It's one of the life-changing observations in my own life. The grace of God is opposed to earning, not effort. The Holy Spirit in you wants to give you power and strength and energy and ability so that with him, it's all of grace you can begin to live a new life and no matter what life throws at you and no matter what storm you go through You will still know that God is with you and for you And you will have a peace and a knowledge that surpasses understanding and it will be rooted and founded in the love and power of God So Paul praises prayer He gets down on his knees, he beseeches the king, he does this regularly. For you to embrace grace in your life is for you to regularly get on your knees before God and ask him for help. Ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you and refill you. Ask for the Holy Spirit to do his work in you. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you strength and love and an experience of that love so that you might be filled to the fullest measure of God, that you might know his height and his breadth and his depth, and it goes beyond our understanding, but you, you ask for it all and you want it all, and you expect God to act according to his goodness. Living life is hard. And we're going to be faced with challenges. And what we're called to is now live life the way that Jesus would live life. His character, his way. That's what love means. We're called to love. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. Turn the other cheek. Pray for your enemies. People hear that stuff and they go, how do we do it? So I'll use an analogy for you. And, 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 I, and I think this analogy is true, but I think the reality is even more powerful than this. But here's the analogy. Okay, so some of you know that I like to play disc golf. And, I, and I've been working at my game at disc golf for a while. And um, and I watch videos and I and I geek out with with Ben and Mike and 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 sometimes even with a few others like Patrick Smith and but but you know like I focus in on how to do this well, and the thing is is see with this golf to do it well there's all these different things that are happening at the same time and like with any sort of sport with muscle memory, it's it's really hard to put it all together. I mean there's footwork and there's arm work and there's all of these movements. <laughs> And then I watch these videos of professionals. And these people throw the disc, like, at least twice as far as I can throw it. And it's just like, every once in a while, I'm out on the course, and I'm like, I just wish that the spirit of Paul Macbeth could, like, if I could just know what it feels like to, to, to get this snap thing right where I could get another hundred feet on my drive so that I could totally crush Ben It would be the best thing in the world. It would just be awesome But but this the spirit of Paul Macbeth never comes inside me. I'm still struggling along Now here is the open secret of the Christian life We are new covenant people And when Jesus left this earth, he said, it's really good that I'm going to go. Because now that I'm going, I can send another one just like me, a counselor, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to come and he's going to live in you. This is our life now. The spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, he lives inside of us. And when Paul is praying this prayer and he's praying for the Holy Spirit to fill you up with knowledge in your inner person, he's asking the Holy Spirit to do the work that the Holy Spirit has been given to do in us, which is to actually form Christ in us because the Spirit of Christ is in us. And, and so this is the part now. It was, it, it was never just supposed to be us. But it's not just supposed to be Jesus. It's supposed to be Jesus in us and with us. And it is this life of participation. And I have a part to play. But he has a part to play. But your work, of, but the salvation and the transformation, you've got a part to play. But it's mostly Jesus. It's all of grace. It's not about just what you have to do. And so, this Christian life is not you by yourself trying to be like Jesus, But allowing the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and strength and insight and power so that in the moment, with Jesus' help, you can be like him. It is a with God life. So, if we take this to heart, if we listen to this prayer, if we understand what's going on, you're going to start praying for God to fill you with his spirit not just for you, but for others. That's what Paul does. You're going to start praying every day. Holy Spirit, come and have your way with me. Give me strength. Help me to be able to do what you call me to do, not by myself and not in my own power, but through the power that you give me. And you're going to pray, and you're going to walk. And when I say walk, I mean you're going to live. And this is about living a grace-infused life. You're going to go and you're going to live your life, but you're now going to live your life Looking to live it the way that Jesus would live it, or more particularly the way He's calling you to live it, with His power and strength. Now, this grace is not is it is opposed to earning, but it is not opposed to effort. The Holy Spirit will infuse truth gets into you, because a lot of the problem, you know, one of the problems that is, faces us is that we don't know the truth. But probably the harder problem is believing the truth that we know. And the Holy Spirit wants us to know the truth, but also wants us to really know the truth and believe it and have it be conviction, have it be heartfelt, have it be real. So, I want to encourage you. This, I think it's going to be hard, but it's also simple. You're going to live a life prayer, where when you pray for yourself, what you're going to pray for is the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And I would encourage you to do this every day. It's interesting thing. I was talking to somebody and we Presbyterians are not famous for relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I'll just put that out there that sadly, that's just something that, you know, that, 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 you know, there's some things where it's just like people get scared about the Holy Spirit. Oh, no. There's nothing to be scared of of the Holy Spirit as far as, "Oh no." There may, there's going to be times where he scares you a little bit because he's going to call you to do something. There's no possible way. Well, not by yourself, but with me, you bet. So, don't lose heart. Be refilled. It's all grace. Every part of it is grace. This is not just you by yourself, but this is about what God is doing. It's a new way of being a human being. Me no longer relying on my own strength or power, but now me understanding that what I was made for, what I was always made for, was God in me giving me power and strength. So I want you to live a life of prayer asking for the Holy Spirit to fill you and refill you. This is the life of redemption. And I want you to practice his presence by embracing the fullness of God. I mean, that's what Paul's prayer is. It's dramatic that you might be filled up to the fullest measure of God, that you might know it all, that you might have this complete understanding. We'll never get there in this life, but this is what we should be aiming for. If you notice in this prayer, there are two main words that dominate. This is all of grace. This is all of glory. This is about peace. But the two words are love and power. Power and love. Now, life is about love and power. I was reading somebody who said they made this observation. I think they're true. Two-thirds of all novels, plays, and poems ever written have to do with love and power. But we human beings struggle to get love and power right. Right? The love of power has laid waste to continents and empires. Power without love has terrorized the human race since inception. The power of love, though, has sometimes driven weak people to do incredible things, but even sometimes very powerful people to do foolish things. These two forces, love and power, course through us, shape our life, impact not only the way that we live, but the lives of everybody around us. And this is, of course, what Paul is praying about. I want to bring these two ideas together, the redemption and the refilling. The the word redemption gets captured by Paul probably most often in this phrase. You are in Christ. You see, formerly I was a slave and I was going to be sold off into a slave market and I was a slave to sin and I had a terrible taskmaster and my life and, and my destiny was terrible. And then Jesus came and he bought me and he redeemed me and he moved me from the, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and I now stand, and if you are in Christ, you now stand in grace, in love. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Dale. I love it. And Paul's prayer is about rooting and establishing us in the knowledge of where we now stand. We stand in Jesus Christ. We we are founded on love. Where redemption tells us that we're in Christ, refilling tells us that Christ is also in us. The Holy Spirit is in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work within your bodies, giving you power and life so that you might live a new life. We have a new life before us. It is a radically different life from the inside out. It, It is about now living a life with God. And so we come in love and power and we get rooted in Jesus and then what we realize is this. Jesus has a call on our lives. The Holy Spirit is at work within us to form Christ in us but also to empower us to do certain things that Jesus is calling us to do. In Jesus Christ, you now have a job. So let me ask you a question. This may seem a little bit Over here, but I think I'm going to bring it together Are you happy? God wants us to be happy But there is more to life than just happiness The feeling of happiness is not the goal of life In fact, if all you pursue is the feeling of happiness, which is pleasure, it's pretty self-defeating There was a study that was done with rats Literally rats and um, They were given three different buttons to push One button gave them food one button gave them drink and one button had a little probe that was connected to their brains that stimulated their pleasure receptor in their brains and They went in and they pushed the food and they pushed the water and then they pushed the pleasure And then they pushed the pleasure again (laughs) And then they pushed the pleasure again and again and again and again and again until they starved and um, were dehydrated and they died. Just pursuing pleasure is not what life is about. What life is about is Jesus in you, the hope of glory. Now this new life, you were created as an image bearer. You were created to reflect the nature of God. Happiness is part of it. God's the happiest being in the universe. But it's not the whole of life. You're being transformed into the character and likeness of Jesus. That his love and his power would reside in you and leak out of you and change the world around you. And what I want to call you to is to live into that job. There will be unparalleled moments of happiness... But the goal is not happiness I want to tell you a story But before I tell the story I want to invite the worship team to come up And um, this is a true story I shared this with the Wednesday at Westside class uh, This last week And it touched my heart But it's speaking right into this reality Of what this grace-filled life Is really about Madeline McCola Was 38 years old she got abducted from her home by an illegal immigrant on December 16th of 2008. She was a cardiology nurse. She'd finished her shift at the local hospital. She'd just been home for a little bit when a man forced his way into her house, threatened to kill her, beat her, made her tell him the pin of her bank cards. So he then bound and gagged her and dumped her into the truck of her red Vauxhall Ostra. There was a rope tied around her neck. After he stole all of her money out of her bank accounts, he left the car in a parking lot. She was there for 10 days in sub-freezing temperatures with no food or water she was she ended up getting rescued she'd bitten a hole through the duct tape on her mouth so that she was able to scream out um the part of the reason that she lived is because not only because of the hole could she scream out and the police actually somebody eventually heard and the police were able to come but she she actually ended up drinking her urine so that she could have something to drink she, was nearly, she nearly died. She was hours from death. On April 25th of the next year, Madeline's kidnapper admitted to 14 charges, including kidnap, theft, and fraud. This was Madeline's testimony. I feel no anger towards him, only pity. I wish him well in the future, and I'll pray for him. I spent a lot of time praying that someone would find me. Praying gave me a lot of strength, and when the policeman opened the trunk, I was so happy that my prayers had been answered. She went on and she admitted that she was thinking about selling her car, but after that experience, they'd gone through so much together, she wasn't going to sell her car. Her response exemplified the forgiveness, the non-retaliation, Praying for enemies that Jesus calls us to. These are not the normal things that we do in our society. I don't know if I could do that, but I know that the only way that I was going to get there is going to be Jesus at work within me. This is the Christian life. It's going to be hard. It's going to be broken. Paul, what he knows and what he's writing about and why he's so excited, he's like, look, I know I'm in prison. This kind of sucks. But I'm not even thinking about it. You know why? Because I know that because I've gone through this, you guys have all heard the Gospels, and now you're part of this too. And I'm just so excited for you. I just want the very best for you. And I want to be like that. And I want you to be like that. But we don't get there by ourselves. We only get there through the power of the Holy Spirit and through prayer. So, let me end with Paul's words. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.